Parts of this story involve graphic depictions of sexual violence and abuse. If you need help, Rain, that's R-A-I-N-N, has a lot of resources, including a 24-hour helpline. That's 800-656-HOPE. 800-656-HOPE. This podcast is not associated or endorsed by Rain, but they are a wonderful resource dedicated to making the world a better place. Darker Days of Dorothy Gale Chapter 21. Charon. A Space Without Time. Dorothy found comfort in the presence of Vel as they traveled through the land. She did not know if it was Vel's calming tone of voice, or that despite the differences in their own personal histories, the two of them were strangely alike. Like Dorothy, Vel was once a stranger in a strange place. Once thrust into a world unlike any she had ever seen, and all for a reason that was unknown to her. Dorothy chose to ignore the more than likely vile history of the witch. It seemed trivial given the circumstances. The two of them talked as they walked alongside a large riverbank. The river led to a massive city and appeared to run through it, splitting it down the middle. Every building was jet black and reached so high into the sky that their tops could not be seen. It was there that the river split, forming a large runoff stream that in turn led to a giant lake. There was no bridge crossing the runoff, and the lake itself was so large it seemed impassable. As the pristine blue water flowed from the river, it became thick and turned deep red. As Dorothy and Vel approached, it began to boil. That's not water, is it? asked Dorothy. No, replied Vel. From the pool of boiling blood, a giant emerged. A monster. Its head was nothing but a black cloud of smoke. Its torso and arms were obscenely muscular, with large, throbbing purple veins running their length. Queen Vel, said the monster in a deep, gurgling voice. King Minos, replied Vel. Why have you brought me this child? She is not for you, replied Vel. We are simply passing through. Dorothy jumped as a large serpentine tail shot up from the pool of blood. Vel remained unfazed. The tail wrapped itself around Dorothy seven times before lifting her to its empty face, 
as she looked into the void, the beast's head became that of Dorothy. A near mirror image, so large it made Dorothy look and feel small and insignificant. In the beast's version of her face, her eyes were gone. A thick, black liquid ran from her mouth, and as it spoke, it spat. <laughs> Minos laughed sickly. I know all about you, Dorothy Gale. You are not of this world. The tale constricted to the point that Dorothy felt as though she would burst. You show fear. If you continue to show fear, here in the other side, you will perish. Dorothy fought back tears. She fought back the urge to fight against this massive creature. She fought back the urge to show any kind of fear. But the monster saw through it all. <laughs> I can still smell it, said the beast with a loud, booming laugh. I am not the one to be afraid of. Minos set her down gently and uncoiled his snake-like tail before looking to Vel. Don't even think about it, replied Vel, looking at the serpent. Minos, his head once more a veil of smoke, lowered himself for a closer look at the witch. <laughs> I wouldn't dream of it. There is no serpent long enough to encompass all of your sins and debauchery, Queen Vel. There was a moment of silence between the two of them. Tension, as big as their personalities, only grew stronger as the two gods stood face to face. Keep the child safe, said Minos, breaking the interminable silence. Just as her body and soul are not of this world, neither is her punishment. Enter the city of Charon. Travel the rings of the other side. Do so of your own volition. Do it at your own peril. With no more words said from the Serpent King, he laid his arm across the runoff, forming a large bridge, granting the traveler's entrance to the other side. On both sides of the river were two immense cities. Vel noted that it was not two cities separated by a river, but instead one giant one 
with a large river flowing through it. As they moved deeper into the vast metropolis, Dorothy found the noise of the city to be unsettling and off-putting. Every street was crowded and filled with people. Everyone was engaging in horrifying and brutal acts of sexual violence. Charon seemed to be in a state of perpetual pleasure and pain. The sounds of even more disgusting lust-filled acts pushed their way through the stone walls and barred windows of every building they passed. What is this place? asked Dorothy, cringing as she spoke loudly. She did not want to speak loudly, but her voice would otherwise fail to rise above the sounds of the rushing river and the apparent city-wide orgy. This is Charon, said Vel, looking up at the monolithic skyscrapers that surrounded them. The river Acheron runs through it, dividing its citizens into two distinct halves. We are on the modest half. Dorothy felt a wave of repulsion and sorrow wash over her entire body. The modest half, she said sullenly. As she looked around, she saw a naked man running through the crowded streets. He was laughing madly as he pushed everyone out of his way. Three hermaphrodites chased after him, laughing the same mad laughter. One of them caught up with him and pounced from behind, like a lion taking down a gazelle, forcing him to the dirty, sticky, cum-covered ground. Dorothy wanted to look away, but felt strangely compelled to see what fate lay in store for him. She was sorry she did. The one that knocked him down pinned him to the ground as the others caught up. The other two then picked him up and threw him against the side of a building, holding him against the wall as the first one entered him from behind. They all squealed in sick pleasure as Dorothy turned back to Vel, who only smiled at her in return. Shouldn't we help him? asked Dorothy. It would not do any good answered Vel as she watched the desecration. Get used to it. The helplessness of it all. The hopelessness. Charon is only a small part of the other side. The other side? asked Dorothy. Yes, continued Vel. This is where many of the citizens of Oz proper believe they will go when they die. If they do not keep themselves in good, moral health. It's hell, asked Dorothy. Eternal damnation. Is this where you and your sisters have been all this time? Indeed it is. Send here by the hands of Mombi. 
and held here by the hands of Glinda. And you don't want to be free with your sisters? I know this place is not paradise, said Vel, but it has become home to me. It is really not all that bad if you have powers such as mine. So why not let your sisters fight over Oz up there and just keep to your own devices down here? It's not that easy, replied Vel. If one of us dies, our power and strength is divided among the remaining. So the last one standing will be more powerful than the world ever thought possible. That kind of power has no place in the world above. It is, however, perfectly suited for the other side. And it's that power that can get me back home, asked Dorothy. If she was going to help grant this woman the unspeakable power she claimed she was in line to inherit, she felt the need for reassurance. Not only can it get you back home, Dorothy Gale, replied Vel, but it can bring back your childhood. It can undo so many of the horrors you have been subjected to. Not only can it save you, but it can save your mother as well. Dorothy swallowed and choked back tears as she looked curiously at the witch. I know everything there is to know about you, Dorothy. It is my gift to see the souls of the living, to know the secret histories of the world. It is a gift that is unique to me, and it is one my sisters would kill for. You see the souls of the living? asked Dorothy. And you still failed to see Joseph for the liar he was? Joseph may not have been a wizard, replied Vel, but that does not mean he was without power. The ability to hide as well as manipulate is something incredibly special. He was truly one of a kind. Even if I had seen him for what he was, it would not have changed anything. Gracia would not have believed me, and my other sisters, with their eternal arrogance and vanity, would not have cared. As thunder began to roll through the sky, it reverberated throughout the city's streets. It was so loud and so ominous that every building shook. Some even crumbled a little, showering the streets with concrete and stone. Everyone stopped what they were doing and curled up into the fetal position, forming small balls in the streets. Dorothy looked around 
The sky was getting darker by the second. She looked to Val for some sort of guidance. We need to take refuge, said Val. Without looking at Dorothy, she grabbed her warm, soft hand with her own warm, soft hand and led her fellow traveler into a nearby building. Upon entering, Dorothy found herself both shocked and disgusted. She thought there were no more surprises left in Oz. She thought by now she had seen the worst of what it had to offer, that she was immune to its effects. She was wrong. The building was wide open on the inside, and it appeared to be some sort of harem. Men and women hung from the vaulted ceiling in cages, fornicating with one another, and those who did not share a cage with anyone pleasured themselves. In the center of the room was a disgustingly large man. Rolls upon rolls of lard caused him to look more like a creature in a science fiction movie than a human. He was surrounded by naked women, all of which were petite in stature and nothing more than skin and bones. Their hands felt themselves as well as each other in an orgy of mutual masturbation, as the man in the center of the room tried but failed to do the same for himself. His fat, stubby arms were unable to reach down far enough to lift the flab around his waist, let alone get a grip on what lie beneath. As if the sights and sounds of this room were not enough, the incredibly thick smell of sex and body odor alone were overpowering to a nauseating degree. Dorothy fought the urge to vomit but failed. She turned and hunched over as she heaved. She did not have much in her stomach, but what little there was worked its way out in the form of burning acid. She stood up once more and looked at Vel. She lifted her right foot, only to find resistance, accompanied by a sickening peeling sound. She looked down to see the floor coated with a variety of bodily fluids, all in varying states of freshness. This is his punishment said Vel, as she placed a comforting hand on Dorothy's shoulder. In his life, he was a serial rapist. Though he never penetrated his victims physically, his form of rape and perversion was completely psychological. He forced them into self-deprecation, forced them to watch as he pleasured himself to their own self-hatred. Now he is relegated to watching, unable to think anything good of himself, unable to satiate his own carnal desires. Dorothy looked away and back to the front door as she heard the thunder roll once again. The stone building shook as the rumbling grew louder. The cages above rattled and swayed side to side. Everyone above screamed in disturbingly glorious pleasure. As they climaxed together, 
the cages began to shake violently, causing a sickening rain of fluids to shower anyone unfortunate enough to be caught beneath them. I think I'm going to be sick again, said Dorothy, as she tried desperately not to throw up, but instead to breathe. Are you sure we're safe here? Vel simply smiled and looked back at the harem. These guilt-stricken souls have no interest in us. Narcissists. Every one of them. The women here are those who sold their bodies for worldly pleasures. Not because they had to, but because they could. For these women, their own sexuality was eclipsed only by their own vanity. Dorothy looked around and noted that Vel was right. None of the women noticed the uninvited guests. The man in the center of the room, however, did notice her, and his eyes had taken a liking to her. She watched in disdain as he grunted out short breaths, while his hands feverishly struggled to find himself.